October 19th. That day means something for people in our world. 36 years ago. Wow. Which is remarkable. I was in, I was working, um, I was probably working a year and a half or so. I remember it like it was yesterday. We worked at 60 Broad Street at Drexel. New York Stock Exchange is 100 yards away. I remember going out at one point during the day and seeing grown men outside. And there was clearly some, I didn't really understand what was going on. The stock market wasn't front and center like it is now, but interesting day way back when. Well, anyway, it's one cock on the East Coast. What are we looking at today? Well, throw it up here because we have our rundown for today's show. Pal, inflation is too high. Huh. Go figure. We're going to look at some charts in NASDAQ, Tesla, which is a disaster today, FedEx and the transports, and some earnings preview. Dan, how are you? I'm oh, and Carter Worth and Butters. Carter Braxton Worth, and we're charting. To enjoy. He's the chart check. He's the chart master, so he's going to be with us in a few minutes here. Uh, interesting, you know, the uh, the Powell thing was interrupted by some uh, protesters. Um, I missed that. Yeah, you missed that. It, was it you? What, what were they wait, protesting? Wait, was it you? Was you were a little Eli late. You were a little late. You were a little late. Yeah, she was telling us that she was excited to be there today. Um, but, you know, I don't know. There were climate protesters or something like that. But uh, interestingly enough, look at the volatility, just like the day chart, if we could pull that up. It's amazing. It's going back and forth. And, you know, you made the point before we came on i mean you know we have a 10-year yield at let's let's just see if we can do a one-day chart here just to really highlight that um you know like we have we're, we're, we're on the doorstep of five percent guy well and stocks don't they, they just don't seem to matter it doesn't bother them you know we saw a move over the last 40 minutes or so when i walked in to the office 10-year yields were at 491 and he must have said something and the next thing i look up they're 499 yeah that's a it's an amazing move and you know literally in seconds and the bond again for the thousandth time the bond market should not trade that way which to me speaks of some problems now the market sold off precipitously now it's come back the s and is up eight and a half handles having been down probably i don't think 25 or so at one point it's a fascinating day and it's probably more volatility left to come and by the way the vix on this day is north of 19 and a half for now, at least, which is, you know, getting sort of levels. We don't really spend a lot of time at, at least over the last six to nine months. Yeah. One, one thing that's interesting. So if, if you think about like, we, we thought that we could probably put some of the macro stuff. This was like a couple of weeks ago when we were thinking about earnings season, right. Getting kicked off last week. We thought maybe that would take a back burner, right. Mm -hmm. Maybe rates, you know, maybe had moderated a little bit to the upside, that sort of thing. Everyone's going to get uncomfortable that the, the, the probability of a rate hike at the November one FOMC meeting was not particularly great. We've been tracking the CME fed funds tracker. It's below 10 percent and it was at 30 percent maybe at its highs maybe a month or so ago and then all of a sudden obviously that the the terrible you know uh terrorist attack in israel and, and now you know despite things you know I, I maybe people feel like there's some sort of diplomatic sort of situation that makes it less than the worst case scenario in the very near term and that was something that we were rallying off earlier in the week right so now all of a sudden though i mean like i just look at this and i say to myself is it what, what are you most focused on is it earnings mm -hmm. is it rates is it inflation because the data keeps coming in hot is it geopolitical is the geopolitical stuff going to actually just kind of act as a domino effect guy as we go into the end of the year in the new year i don't know man it seems like about as little visibility um as you could track and then the other thing look at what's going on in the house there is no republican speaker there's going to be a lot of stuff that needs to go on before that november 15th deadline mm -hmm. for the i mean it just it's stacking up and the s&p doesn't mind so typically the answer to questions like that yeah. is some you know all of the above are important yeah. but if i'm ranking them 
bond yields are at the top of the list. And I think more and more people are starting to come to that realization. I saw Muhammad Alarian on this morning mm -hmm. on Squawk and Friends. He was talking about it. I think more people are realizing that, wait a second, this bond move is real. And I hear people talk about, you know, the Fed's going to cut rates. Doesn't mean rates are going lower. I mean, I know you, but what are you talking yeah. about, guy? I mean, the Fed can do whatever they want at this point. Ten-year yield is telling a story. And if they cut rates tomorrow, what do you think is going to happen to 10-year yields? I'm telling you, you think they're going to go down? They're not going to go down. So we are in a different paradigm right now. And I think the the equity market is starting to sniff that out. Yeah. All right. Well, we seem a little confused by the fundamentals. Why don't we bring in the chart master? Why not? Carter Braxtonworth of Worth Charting to maybe help us make some sense of this through the technicals. Hey, Carter, how are you, man? Man, how are you? You know, sometimes, and that's the irony, right? Sometimes it doesn't have to make sense or doesn't make sense even when we want it to there are always cross currents there are always um well put it this way the the practitioner professional or otherwise can always find endless data points to make their case for any thesis they want right so we see it all the time in articles published whether it's literally a, a journalist publishing or it's a a paid uh professional if you will working on wall street on behalf of a major broker dealer um there are endless inputs that one can choose and select or cherry pick to their individual cases. Um, I think at the end of the day, look, and this is very subjective too, the designation of pair of twos has a reason, right? And I just to quickly know, I never liked hold because people say, what do you mean hold, right? But that's what this whole market is, kind of the market is, the S&P is just churning and churning and churning. And there's a great thesis for lower and you can, you can certainly make a case for higher, but that's what a pair of twos is. It's not the greatest hand to play. But Carter, it's funny, the, the case for hire, you just the, if I'm just looking at technicals, if I'm looking under the hood, right? Like we've spent a lot of time on market call and on the tape and, and uh, on fast mm -hmm. money. And you've been highlighting this and, and we're charting. I mean, there are so many horrible stocks. Mm -hmm. I mean, like yesterday, how many, like, how many, like literally, you know, consumer names that we know, it's like terrible. that we use, yeah. they're making 52 week lows. You know, today it's Alcoa. You know what I mean? Yesterday was United and Morgan Stanley. And I mean, I mean the today list it's Discover. That's the real, I mean, Discover yeah. and massive charge offs. I mean, that's, that's telling stuff, right? I mean, yeah. um, yeah. I, and that's the, that's the thing that keeps me ever from sort of just giving this thing the big old bull hug, so to speak. Everyone, and remember, the street is built to be bearish. So just consider this in the SP 500 the index, right? The average stock has 10 ratings, 10. So you got 5,000. Do you know how many are sell rated? 4%. Mm -hmm. Because no one ever wants to say sell. The street is built to sell. They call it the sell side for a reason, right? They unload shares of Instacart on people or Birkenstock. They say, here, have at it. And then it all falls apart. The point is, um, look, the, the bias is always up. And no one ever wants to hear the the the, the sort of dour, uh, you know, your bearish kind of view. Uh, but I I think that the things that you're talking about, like how do you really call it a bull market when the incontestable fact is the Russell 3000 half the constituents are actually down from their October lows of a year ago, which reportedly was the low for global equities. Well, if half the index is actually lower than that, then was it ever was it ever a bull recovery in the first place? Let's pull up our S&P chart. Um, I know you don't love our charts, but we'll show no, it up anyway. But, oh, you know, good. today we're today. It's 107 right now. The S&P is up 20 handles. Let's just say we have had a hundred and fifty five point range today in the S&P 500. If you go back and sort of add it up and map it out. And here we are pushing towards the high of the day. And it speaks to, I guess, this sort of 
I don't know, this little pennant formation or whatever you want to call it. Obviously, that downtrend is intact. The uptrend was touched somewhat intact. You see the moving average. You know, we're getting to places where the market's going to be volatile in a very small range, and then something's going to happen. I think it's going to break down, Carter. I think Dan agrees. I think you say let price be your guide, but you probably um, – I would say I would imagine you favor the downside as well. Right. So if one were to um... – Let's say we were just describing the patient. We weren't giving a judgment. We just said when the, the following things I think I'm going to say, I'm going to say, I think you would agree are incontestable. This thing has been improving this patient for the past 12 months as depicted in this chart. This is incontestable. In fact, at its highs of July, it was up 30% from its low. This is incontestable. And having pulled back eight, 9%, isn't that healthy down to trend? And now we buy more. That it, what I just laid out, none of it, is anything but a fact, a 30% advance, an 8 9% sell-off, holding trend. The bull can make that case. But that's just looking at this index. The index is, is masking the performance of the team, right? It's just like, what's the median grade in the class versus the average grade? Or a big night for LeBron James, Gretzky, or you pick your person, right? So that it's all being masked by a performance of a few stars. And if those stars, and we know who they are coming up, were to pull the um the the, the tesla uh, yeah. event the market has a lot of downside yeah well here's a great point okay and this is just math here okay so tesla which was yesterday um a 770 billion dollar market cap company now it's a 70 100 billion dollar market cap company okay so it's down nearly 10 percent if you were to look at this okay and you look at the fundamentals and look at the, the tone on the call and look at the macro commentary you'd say this is bad Right, like this is bad, and we're gonna we're gonna spend some time on Tesla in a second. But then if you're gonna go look at Netflix, you're gonna say to me, "Well, well, look at Netflix. Netflix is up 15 percent." Okay, well, yesterday that was a hundred and sixty billion dollar market cap company. Okay, that was down 27 percent from its July highs into yesterday's close before it just bounced 15 percent. So if you just want to do math, you know what I mean. You might have some outliers that sentiment was really bad then the stocks were selling off and then the news is better than expected. And maybe the news is legitimately good. That subscriber number guy, mm -hmm. legitimately good. I was listening to you on Fast Money last night, talk about it, okay, as they were coming out. But like, if you're just doing the math, to your point, Carter, about all of those stocks, hundreds and hundreds of stocks, mm -hmm. right? And in, in the Russell 3000 that are below their October lows, that, you know, to me, if you start losing, to your point, some of these ones that have been masking this bad performance, we're in trouble, which leads me right. to a post that you had on um, worth charting yesterday. So you did uh, for the NDX, the NASDAQ 100, okay? You did a survey, and, and maybe mm -hmm. we can throw this up here a little bit. And I think this is really interesting. Talk to us a little bit about what you perceive from these results, okay? Your Twitter followers versus your worth charting subscribers, which are probably like a, a, a kind of prosumer, right? A self-directed sort of investor. And then obviously those worth charting institutional clients, some of the biggest money managers on the planet, right? And look at the difference between that. Talk to us, I know there's a lot there, but talk to us about that. Yeah, I mean, and it was just look at the, the, the there was one chart given in, in the survey saying, look, here's the chart of the QQQ NASDAQ 100. And, um, as, as we've discussed here together and you all made the point, well, there it is. Yeah. Right. We're, we're into the apex of a, of a formation, which is, um, does it break out or does it break down? Does it get resolved higher or lower? And so when presented with this exact chart, 50 sessions to go, you can see the vertical sort of uh, green, blue light line, um, to Friday, December 29th, then let's look at the results. And this is how 
people um, voted. You know, Twitter, it's 2,000 plus people. Um, and they were the most bullish, as you can see, basically, 55, 45 saying it will be higher. Now, um, exact opposite, right, for both. Now, one could say, yeah, because they're listening to all your right. dour stuff. <laughs> so your, your influence. But I, I think at the end of the day, um, people choose what they want, not what they think. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they, they, they have their own views, especially large institutional pension plans, mutual funds, hedge funds, family offices, and so forth. And you can see the direct inverse relationship between Twitter, uh, individual worth turning subscribers, and then institutional clients. Um, and, you know, it doesn't mean there's so-called smart money. That's an offensive phrase. Uh, but for now, people who are being paid W-2 income or the salary bonus or you to actually act as a professional on Wall Street, whether it's a trader, and some of these are traders, some of them are in-house in strategists, some are um, currency analysts, some are individual companies, so forth. Um, in, in aggregate, institutional uh, people as designated are not as sanguine as individual investors. It's interesting. I mean, people want to be optimistic. I think Twitter followers speaks to that. I think there's a level of realism that has to come in as well. And if you look at institutional clients, I think that's, and it's not an indictment either yeah. way. It's just an observation. Right. Let's take a look at our Tesla chart. Then we're going to look at your Tesla chart. My sense is yours is probably better than <laughs> ours, but here's how we sort of drew some things. Uh, mind the gap. See, we learned from you, Carter. You. Yeah, but mm -hmm. like, listen, Carter, this is just a simple one. We have your 150-day moving average right. there. Yeah. So it's interesting. It just kind of blew right through that, right? And so, like, to me, what I find really interesting about this, and I just referenced this, is that three consecutive quarters, the stock is down 10% the day after their fundamental results. Look at the difference in levels, okay? Mm -hmm. Back in April, guy, we were sitting on the desk of Fast Money, and I remember I had a short position on it, and I thought I had this one, okay? Like, I was like, this thing is dead. It's going back to a hundred bucks. You know what I mean? That was it. They basically just lowered the boom that, you know, this is going to be a multi-quarter thing. I remember saying that. And then look what happened after about two weeks or so it, it, it went on an epic ramp, uh, ramp, right. Mm -hmm. And then what happened right until that 52 week high, another 10% drop. Why fundamentals? bad, right. not good, not getting better. And then look at the volatility that we've seen over the last three months. So here we are again. So this is when we, can we just give the baton to Carter? Yeah, because, but, and real yeah, quick, yeah. we'll give you the baton. But what you're basically saying is fundamentals matter until, you know, market euphoria yeah. takes over. I mean, because every time something fundamental happens, it's a negative reaction. Yeah. So the fundamentals are negative. The euphoria around it is still out you there, and that's why you see. Moves and and like it's interesting, that. you know. Right. I, you know, we, there's this guy named Gary Black. He runs a fund, um, and he's a huge Tesla bull. And you can see him on Twitter. And and I got to tell you. I actually think he's a really transparent guy. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? He's definitely one of these true believers, loves Elon and this, but he also can be very critical of certain decisions. He's been very critical of them, not advertising. He's been very critical about a whole host of other things. And he was actually kind of calling a little bull, uh, BS on Twitter a little bit about, um, you know, some of the things that Elon was saying on the call. So I like that. If you're a bull on something, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like call Yeah. Here, look at this. Okay. So I, I thought this was really interesting. Okay. He's going to be on fast money tonight guy um so sandy just booked him so that's gonna be a really interesting conversation and we're gonna be personally perfectly pleasant to the guy i mean not, not like i i got no axe to grind with tesla other than the fact that three consecutive quarters if this was anything other than a cult like, like a cult following three consecutive quarters of worse than expected deliveries worse than expected margins worse than expected like almost everything the stock should be the bottom right it should be in the bottom well, right well, that's, that's the 
real quick, Carter, and I want to hear your thoughts, but go back to that comment, you know, that that Twitter or whatever that came off of. Elon seems surrounded by people who are afraid to disagree with him. There's a word for that. It's called sycophants. And you know what? It works for a period of time. And then the king. But when you realize that the emperor has no yeah. clothes, somebody's got to sort of call that emperor out. And sometimes it's some little yeah. kid. Well, you in know, the crowd. you know, the CFO just left. I, yeah. I mean, the longtime CFO just left this company. OK, like 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 literally without without a statement, there was nothing. You know what I mean? So like, you know, something funky could be going on there. So, again, I know, Carter, you don't care much about that, but maybe you could show. Oh, let's look at that fact set chart again that you have with the circles yeah. and just talk about. Yeah. I mean, I think the point you're making is that if the last three um, instances or uh, moments of fundamental uh, information quarterly results have all been bad why in the hell is the stock down and to the right instead it rallied from the first one and now it's a here's the thing it's it's that valuation when you don't actually make much money and only started making money recently it can be anything one wants but the the, the talk about volatility and what, exactly what you guys were talking about the thing that's also so incredible about this is this has the volatility of a small to micro cap size company and in the history of markets i mean just to think about from november right of 2022 to jan 2023 the stock lost half its value and then in january february it doubled now that happens all the time but not with this market cap so this kind of movement in terms of just the sheer money um increase in value decrease in value is is unprecedented lots of stocks move but not big stocks like this super cap let's take stock. a look at your charts because you brought your own tesla charts from from worth charting and they look eerily similar to ours but obviously you do much better work walk well, us through no, it just you know it's, it's it's all very artistic parts but here I, what i've done here is this is the trend line that's generous the uh, bottom one and let's do the next one mm -hmm. and let's toggle now go ahead do that both back and forth back and forth back and forth so what i'm doing notice the difference i'm see the go to the first one the first one's not actually connecting the january low it's not touched right the january low of this year and so if we connect the january low and say then we've even we've broken either one right there's no so way around this and there really isn't any support per se you could say wasn't well, there the support from the january february period a little bit but where could this go so to speak you look at this um next set here these are very precise lines it's the logarithmic chart in effect uh, since the 2019 low which was basically at you know 15 dollars and just to get down to trend and that's a very precise uptrend line that takes you to about 175 dollars a share mm -hmm. so if we go back to the daily chart to put that in context and we can do that with our eye 175 is it's not that far down on this daily chart. You could, you could have gapped there today if people really wanted to take it down. So I think that's a reasonable level. And at that point, you know, Tesla's probably where it belongs. And if you look at that chart, that one right there, we can go to 175 and still be in an uptrend over the last yeah. four years or so. So you, right. you have not violated what has been a pretty significant bull run in the stock. But you have these tremendous pullbacks along the way. And that's, I think, what we're saying. We know it's also interesting. 175 was a level that it gapped you know, from in, uh, mm -hmm. in that April report, right? So that was that Q1 um, report. Listen, you know, we, we actually, I think regular listeners, viewers, you know, they know that 
um, I, I've had a specific bone to pick because everything that I've known, you know, as it relates to Tesla, everything I've known about investing in growth stocks, okay, specifically tech stocks over the last 25 years, when companies start to exhibit the fundamentals that this company has after unusually positive sentiment, you know what I mean? Like they usually overshoot the other way. And you could say, mm -hmm. well, that happened in January of this year. The stock touched $110, and that was before they started reporting three consecutive, you know, gross margin misses and all that sort of stuff. And I get all that, but I just think if you listen to Elon on that call last night and he used the term storm, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. An economic storm. He's worried about rates. He's worried about competition in China. He's worried that they got over their skis building gigafactories in Berlin and Shanghai and thinking about Mexico and is Austin running? You know what I mean? Like, so, you know, and he's worried about demand, you know, in, in a high interest rate environment. So to me, I find it a very interesting story because I do think going back to what you started with, Carter, is that there's a couple problems probably lurking in some of these large names that have done a lot of the heavy lifting for a market that does not act particularly well. Is that fair to say? Right. And it wouldn't take but one or two um, Tesla type reactions to earnings mm -hmm. to basically set in motion. Because what happens, let, I mean, in principle, let's talk about it. A market, when people are, are concerned or nervous at any given moment, at any given trading day or week or four, five, eight, 10 day period, the things they sell typically are the things that weren't working so that there's so many stocks, Russell 2000, that are hovering at 52 week lows, and then they start to weaken on an Apple miss, let's say, and it has yeah. nothing to do with it, but that's, those things can cascade out through the bottom. Yeah. Um, and then you could set in motion something that maybe was gonna happen, maybe not, but it was the trigger was something that had nothing to do with it. Meaning if Apple were to have a Tesla type drop, one would say, what does that have to do with, with Russell 2000 uh, domestic companies that aren't, but those will get sold aggressively. Yeah. Yeah. And, and real quickly on Apple, and we're going to spend a lot of time, obviously, the next week and week and a half or so previewing that one, because uh, to me, I, and I think the guy too, that kind of holds the key a little bit. Some mm -hmm. of the issues in China that my Tesla was facing, September sales were down 11%, at least deliveries and the like here, you know, and we already saw some of that preview that maybe iPhone 15 sales were weaker than expected in China. But I had a great conversation that dropped yesterday in your favorite podcast store. Um, that would be Apple probably or Spotify or the Spotify. Guy, or the Spotify. Uh, with Dan Niles, he is the founder of Satori Funds. Uh, you know, Carter, you know Dan, uh, Guy, you know Dan. Um, he was a, a pretty epic, um, you know, dot-com era tech analyst. He's been running money for a long time, and he's on CNBC a lot. He's a great follow on Twitter, and I think he's a great investor. Um, he is very um, fond of Elon Musk as an entrepreneur. He was short Tesla um, into the print, and he's also short Apple. Um, so check out that podcast, OK Computer, um, in the podcast store and listen to what Dan had to say on Apple because I think it was very interesting. He's also got an interesting take on NVIDIA. Mm -hmm. Carter, I just want to do this really quickly and then, Guy, get your take on this. Um, so I just want to pull up our Netflix chart because this one was kind of fascinating. We just talked about it. Look and see where this thing stopped, as you would call to the what? I don't to know. To the penny. So there you go. Look at look at where that stopped yesterday. Pretty fascinating. And yeah. then look where the first print was, Carter, right above the 150-day moving average. So talk to us what you think here without getting, you know, we don't have all your charts. This is just one simple one-year chart. Right. The irony, you referred to Netflix being down 27% from its peak of just July, and we know it's down 50% from its all-time high. But, you know, it's if one were, again, in, in the in the business of charge today at Reuters as a young new journalist or Wall Street Journal, well, you need to write up the Netflix article. And they're all, if you read them all, they're all saying Netflix surges, Netflix jumping. Another way to someone else who maybe would 
be considered, they probably would get fired. Netflix, which yesterday was down 27% from its July high, is now down only 17%. Mm-hmm. But people don't like that. That's a boo. That's not fun. You're just reminding us that it's down. But that's the truth. The real truth is, so what? It's this is what, it's like this D student just, he got a C. Great. Yeah. Great. I mean, this doesn't fix the pattern at all. Yeah, it bounced at a heck of a level, and that's the point about studying levels. But this is not particularly impressive. This feels like, again, so in July, just, just this past, in midsummer, we were at 485, and so now we're at 400. Mm-hmm. And we're going to do what? Get hopped up on that? Well, so, I mean, we're back to where we were in September, like right. mid-September, late September. And, you know, I can look at this chart and my eye sees those July highs. And then my eye sees those sort of, I don't know, late August, early September highs. And we're probably making the third point of a downtrend line from that period of time. So the uptrend's intact. There is a downtrend that I see and a similar pennant formation. We can exhaust ourselves here very easily on what's going to be a pretty big volume day. And listen, the quarter was okay. They beat subscribers by 3 million, yet revenue was in line. So it somewhat, it didn't make a lot of sense to me. Maybe there's some funny math going on, but one would have thought that the revenue line would have been commensurate with the beat they had on the subscriber line. It wasn't. So listen, it's a great company. I get it. Feels like a relief rally to me. Yeah. And you know, we say this all the time, you know, like that was a bad press on the short side. I mean, like look at how the stock had just fallen off when it broke the 150 day, what, two weeks ago. Right. And you could say continue to press weakness, but then you got to understand that in front of an event like this, I mean, Netflix on average over the last like three years has moved, you know, like 8% Mm -hmm. or something the day after it's earnings. So you better have conviction, um, you know, about that sort of move. So, you know, that one to me, I think guy, you and I talked about it yesterday. Today. I think we echoed that. Yeah, it could have dropped to 300 on another miss or something like that. But is that a great risk reward pressing it after the decline it's had? It hasn't seen an uptick in about a month and a half or something like that. Now, so. now I think if you've been waiting to trade Netflix, now you can choose your adventure, right? Yeah. You know what? You'll say to yourself, they've turned the corner. It's breaking out. I want to be long. That's fine. You can play that game. Or you can say relief rally. The downtrend from, as I mentioned, July is intact. This is a level where I'll put out a short and see what happens. That's how I think you trade around today's move. You brought some transports with you. I'm old school. Love the IYT and all those things, Carter Braxtonworth. So walk us through why you think why you decided to look at the transports today. Well, I, we put out a note on FedEx, and that's a, a transport name. But I think in general there is always the the issue of uh, you know doubt theory to some extent, and also how highly cyclical typically value. Um, type companies in the transportation area, road and rail, uh, planes, of course, uh, air freight, how they're behaving. And the chart of the IYT, which is an ETF meant to measure the exact performance of the Dow Jones transportation average, is not great. Now, with no lines, one could say, ah, sort of a pair of twos. Why really get short here? Why really get long? And I would say that's a perfectly reasonable um, decision. But let's put some lines in. And, and maybe we'll flash them, take them off, put them back, take them off. The point is that this is these are fairly precise, and we've broken the uptrend line. Let's put in some arrows just to annotate it. They're deadly precise, the word, the phrase, to the penny. So we have also breached now. Does it have to continue lower as I've annotated it with the red arrow? Uh, no, but there's no real thesis to get long here. How important in 
today's world, I understand when I started working in the 20s, how important the transports, but in today's world where seemingly technology is everything, how important do you think the transports are, if at all, to the broader market? Yeah, it's it's a complicated, it's an economic theory as much as anything else, even though it was um, built by studying the price action of the transportation average. I guess, you know, I, there's a bumper sticker I saw once that you probably say, is if, if you got it, a truck brought it. Right. So the mug I have, these glasses here, the calculator, the sweat. I mean, how I got this, anything that's in your studio, you've got a truck had to get it there. Right. So maybe it started on a plane or a big old boat. But at some point, if you got it, a truck brought it. So the question is, is that important? Sure, it is. And it maybe is old fashioned. Uh, but I would I would stick with things that have been uh, proven uh, over long periods of uh, time. And the transportation average does not act well. Real quick, speaking of trucks, FedEx trucks are everywhere. If you're in Manhattan, that's basically all you see. You brought some FedEx charts. We can run through them if you want, DBW. Yeah, so uh, talk about um, outperforming the market. It bottoms actually in September before the market's bottom in October, which you can see. And then it rallies almost 100%, much more than the market. But let's annotate it. So here's the, uh, here's the actual trend line. Let's put in the automated trend line. Put them back and forth, back and forth. Mm -hmm. And so they look almost the same thing. Well, that's the point of a moving average. So if we put them together, final chart, we have a sell-off of 10% to trend. And I think you play for a bounce here. Um, we'll see. One could say, well, what do you want to you want to do that? But you don't like the transports. But that's the nature of it. You always want to have longs and shorts. There are things within transports that look a lot worse. And there are things um, within the transports that look better than most. FedEx would be the latter. Yeah, and it's interesting, before we let you go, a bounce in FedEx here, you, you could get a 8-10% bounce in FedEx, and that would take the IYT back to the trend line that we've basically broken down through on the downside. So to your point, you can be long something with the sort of the premise or the thought process of this has broken to the downside. You could do a retrace back to that downtrend line in the IYT, but FedEx could outperform a level of 10 to one ish. So yeah. I like what you're doing. Well, and, and FedEx is less than 5% weight in the IYT. Mm -hmm. So, so, uh, you know, again, mm -hmm. a lot of folks who are long short, I mean, they use these sector ETFs against some individual positioning on the single stock side. So um, I love the, uh, you know, I love the explanation there, Carter. Listen, we know you're playing hurt a little bit. We appreciate it. I know you did some heavy lifting. We appreciate it. You guys know where to find his fine work every day in your inbox, go to worth charting, Dot com. You can also find them here with us on Market Call and, of course, CNBC's Fast Money. So thanks a lot, Carter. We appreciate you being here. Bye, guys. See you, Dubs. Now, if it's Thursday. Oh, really? It's Butters. Now, I won't, you know, I know people get upset at me. If, so I'll be, I'm going to be clean today. I love John Butters. So give yeah. him his proper introduction. <laughs> no, no. We, we, listen, here, let's just do it. So if it's Thursday. If it's it, Thursdays, it's Butters. It's Butters. Okay, that would be Bitch. John Butters. He is the senior you earnings. Have to do it. I did. I mean, I did. people are waiting. The it ain't senior earning Butters. insight analyst over there at FactSet. We get a preview of his earnings insight blog, which you actually can have delivered to your inbox on Friday mornings. We're going to put up a little uh, a little diagram where you can find that here. But um, again, he's looking at in, into earnings season. I think this is a really important guy. So, so he's looking at uh, you know, profit margins. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the blended, uh, this includes actual and estimated results of net profit margin for the S&P 500 for Q3 2023 is 11.7%. The number is below 
The year ago net profit margin of 11.9, but above the five-year average of 11.4, this number marks the seventh straight year-over-year decrease, but also the third straight quarter-over-quarter increase, okay? So that's, I know. There's a lot there. There's a lot there, but let like, okay. So in this inflationary period, we've been talking about this a lot. A lot of companies that have the ability to pass through higher costs, we're doing that, maintaining margins. We also had a consumer that had a lot of pent-up savings, that had a lot of interest in spending, right, on goods and services and the like here. And so they weren't as price sensitive, right? So now when you think about it, we've talked about the S&P 500 being in an earnings recession. We're not in an economic recession, but in an earnings recession. And a lot of folks and a lot of butters work is suggesting that that might be coming to an end. So talk to me about this. I think the averages are not that important. You no. know what I mean? Because we're in the, we're in the zone here, but this is the seventh straight year over year decrease. Right. Okay. That makes sense. So let's just drill down on, but also the third straight quarter increase so things are getting better quarter over quarter which makes sense inflation over that period of time was decreasing companies were able to keep prices the same margins expand makes sense now we're starting to see inflation re-accelerate will they be able to pass on those costs to the consumer probably not and it's manifesting itself in all the names we talk about pepsi general mills kellogg's all those different names, which now seemingly have fallen on hard times. So when I look at this, that last part, third straight quarter over quarter increase makes perfect sense to me. The real rub is going to be, is that going to continue? Yeah. And I would say absolutely not. This is the point where I start. You, I think you start seeing margin degradation. Well, and, and a big point of this, and we, you know, themes that we've been talking about is this kind of reshoring, friend shoring, whatever you want to call it. So if manufacturing costs are going to go up for a lot of goods that a lot of folks have become very used to paying lower prices for, that's going to be hard if crude oil and, and other commodity prices start going higher as they have done over the last month or so. I mean, that's going to, you know, wages have been very sticky mm-hmm. here in the U.S. Um, so, you know, all that sort of stuff. I do think it's interesting that Amazon, you know, hired 250,000 seasonal workers last year they hired 150,000 there might be some competition for those workers mm-hmm. so again like these are all the sorts of things that when you think about some of these retailers what works into their margins all that sort of stuff so all good stuff all right let's go to the other one though six sectors are reporting a year-over-year increase in net profit margin led by communication services sector now that's mm-hmm. tech now here's an interesting point i want to make guy in the last week I've seen Microsoft making layoffs at LinkedIn. Um, We've seen Alphabet making layoffs. And I think there was another large information or communication services company doing that. We know that those companies were early in 2022 cutting jobs aggressively, right? What are they trying to do? They're trying to protect their margins. A hundred percent. Margins start to decrease, decelerate. What's the first thing that C-suite people do? Cut costs. How do you cut? What's the biggest cost typically for all these companies? Headcount, cut headcount, you maintain your margins. And that's what we're start we have seen it before, and we're starting to see it again. And it's going to be see what's interesting here is that's exactly what the Federal Reserve wants, right? They want mm-hmm. their unemployment rate to go higher. The trick is going to be how much higher is it going to go? And will they be able to stop it once it starts to feed upon itself and accelerate? Because when certain companies start laying people off, it has a trickle-down effect. It has a knock-on effect that I'm not so sure a lot of people understand. So when job losses start to happen, it's not in a linear way. It starts to move. I don't want to say exponentially because that's not right. 
but it stair steps up a lot faster than it does to the downside. Well, listen, and, and you know, like today we started the show talking about the volatility in and around the comments of Fed Chair Powell today. And I think that obviously it's your point, Kai, you've made it again and again, careful what you wish yeah. for, right? And sometimes you're going to lose control of that thing that you think you have a good handle on. And these are, is that a time where I, you know, like, you know, if, if you think that they couldn't afford to make a mistake in mid 2021 in calling inflation transitory right now, with Fed funds at five and a half and the, and the 10 year on the doorstep of 5%, mm -hmm. they can't really afford to make a mistake either right now. Like, you know what I mean? They pushed it. I feel like in the last two and you know quarter years to absolute extremes, which seems like really hard on corporations. Okay. Going back to this profit margin thing, because they're trying to forecast their companies, right. And, and how they, you know, what they see in front of them and how they're going to manage costs and how they're going to manage R and D and how they're going to manage their workforces and all the like here. So it, it really, they're making it hard for corporate America. Too. It's interesting. You say, you know, they're next. So, and I'll use a sports analogy before we get out. Great managers of baseball games. We have a first inning, they're managing second inning, managing well. You know, the pitcher's throwing well. Third inning, everything's going well. Fourth inning, starting pitcher gives up six runs. They bring in a reliever. He bring, he gives up another four runs. Next thing you know, you're down 11 to two. Yeah. At that point, it doesn't, ma managing is out the window. You've lost the game. Yeah. So they can do whatever. My point is they can do whatever they want now. Yeah. That, the game's over. I mean, and the bond, and you can, you can push back on that. It's fine. But the bond market, the moves in the bond market are absolutely well, telling you but, that. But, you know, David, so they cut rates now. Yeah. What's going to happen? I'll tell you what's going to happen. All these inflationary inputs are going to back on their horse. It's yeah. going to scream in their face. If they continue to raise rates, obviously the market's not. Well, it's funny. They're I was in a tough say, spot. David Rosenberg, Rosenberg Research, who I think very fondly of, um, you know, David thinks that they've already overdone it on, on, on the upside. You're on the other side of that because you have you've been an inflation hawk here and you've been saying it. And you were saying it at a time this summer where most people were literally thought we'd have a two handle on the CPI, maybe at some point, you know, in the last mm -hmm. month or so of this year, maybe early next year. Um, the last thing in Butter's work here, I just want to hit really quickly. Looking ahead, analysts expect net profit margins for Q1 2024 and Q2 2024 to improve to 12% and 12.3%. Here's the deal. And going back to the geopolitical stuff, okay? If energy prices continue to go right. higher, supply chains continue to be disrupted, reshoring continues to be a thing, wages stay bid, all that sort of stuff, there's no way that's happening, in my opinion, the, because then you're going to have that earnings kind of like, like you know, fall off. The only way, seemingly the only way that's going to happen is an it's a market uptick in, in the unemployment rate yeah. because then, again, you're cutting costs. You're saving your margins. I, I think that's a pipe dream. Yeah. For, for I mean, that's well, that, that, I mean, listen, Butter's just looking at consensus. No, no, I'm not. Yeah. It's not no, no, indictment no, no, no. of his work. I, no, I mean, he's just doing the work. Course. It's just these – I think people are way off sides in terms yeah. of what they expect next year for margins. It's not going to happen. All right. Well, listen, this is just a preview of John Butter's fine work. So go to insight.factset.com slash subscribe, and you can have it delivered to your inbox. I get it there. Also, follow at Factset on Twitter because they put a lot of his – nice charts and, and, and data on there okay all right last thing a little housekeeping cme challenge oh man are you fired up for this i come on i mean come on so so you got to do this i mean people. i ain't watching football you got to do this by tomorrow i think it's at four o'clock cmegroup.com slash equity challenge it's the epic equity futures challenge guy is going to be doing it i'm going to be doing it danny moses from on the tape podcast can be doing it. here's the really cool thing not only do you get to do it do you get to learn how to do it do you get to sign up for this whole thing but if you sign up 
and you take a screenshot of your sign up Look and you that. send it to contact at riskreversal.com, okay, dot com, and you send it to Amanda, um, you're going to get one of these like tricked out hats. Look at those. And Amanda's not feeling well today either. Yeah. I heard it in her voice. So yeah. you got to just yeah, blow nice up. To her. No, no, don't be nice. Oh, Now's when oh, you blow her up for inbox. Hey, listen, we want to give away a lot of these hats for a couple reasons. We want to participate with you guys in the epic equity futures challenge by cme we also want you guys walking around all over the place with these really cool hats now if you also put it in the chat the logo a little tweaked you don't say anything guy because you know we right. debated this for right. a while we did yesterday yeah we did for a while we did a little change up on the logo if you guys can spot it put it in the chat or just ping, ping us first person that spots it first person who spots it gets a water bottle water bottle okay those water bottles are nice they're taking off too we want you guys just walking around with market call stuff. People do. You know, it's funny. I was in the current offices before. They're every, all over the place. They're point. all over the Yeah, well, we're giving them out. It's the craziest thing. All right, that's it. Thursday, a lot happening. I mean, yeah. as we're sitting here, again, the S&P went from, I think, 4295, 4300, went to 4330 and change. And now we're 4308. It's not the end of it. I'm sure there's going to be some more. I mean, it's a volatile day. And yeah. when you have these intraday moves of this magnitude there's a very good chance we close unchanged today and people pick up the paper and say the market closed unchanged nothing happened a lot happened and there's a lot going on and again bond yields are everything and keep your eye on the hyg which we've said want to thank carter worth want to thank obviously john butters want to thank Backset. want to thank everybody for watching yeah and i want to thank all the people that are playing hurt that's you amanda and that's you, Carterworth. We'll see you on. Actually, we won't see you Monday because Monday we're radio. Yeah, we are radio. We're on That'll the, the Sirius XM business channel. One thirty-two. Yeah. Eight four four nine eight nine four two seven eight six seven eight six eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. Call in. Yeah, give us a call. Noon. Although there's gonna be a lot to talk about. We got some Ranger hockey under our belt yeah. by then. A couple games. Giant football playing Washington. Oof. All the Jet fans are seemingly think we're going to the Super Bowl. They have a bye week, so they can't lose. <laughs> anyway, that's it. We'll see you guys later. Oh, man.